You are listening to the acclaimed Professional by Choice podcast that is going to prepare you for the competitive professional world. Just like any sport, being a professional takes time, effort, practice, and commitment. With rigorous training and focus, you will know what it takes to be a professional. And now presenting your host, hailing from East Chicago, Indiana, the man, the marine, the legend, the all-knowing master of the professional routine, Chris Molina. So today we have our inaugural combat sports episode. This is something that I've wanted to do for a while now, and I'm happy to be joined by Danny Segura as a guest. Danny is currently an MMA reporter for MMAJunkie.com, formerly of MMAFighting.com, and he has a YouTube channel, which uh, goes by his name, Danny Segura, where he has live Q&As, and he interviews popular fighters and coaches across mixed martial arts. Danny, thank you for joining us today. No, thank you for having me, Chris. Yeah, so let's jump right in because I want to be uh, uh, respectful of your time and uh, I love talking about MMA. So let's start at the top. Let's start with uh, what should be the craziest fight on the fight card, which is filled with potentially crazy fights. And that's uh, Tony versus Gaethje. So most of the topics that I hear uh, revolve around the thought that if Tony can last a certain amount of minutes, then Tony will win. Do you think that that's really what it boils down to and and what we're going to see that as long as Tony can last, then he'll come out, come out on top? I, I think so. I think that is a, a big storyline. And certainly I think uh, if the fight could play out many different ways, but I think that's, uh, that's, uh, that's kind of like the main storyline here with this fight because Gagey has said it before. He's like, look, I haven't been training for this fight. Like this fight came up on short notice. Mm-hmm. On top of that, with the whole COVID-19 thing, fighters are having a hard time getting a regular camp in. So no sure. one's exactly 100%. So he, he's told before, I believe in an interview with ESPN, he said, I got about 18 minutes of hell. And we sure. know he's got to fight for 25. <laughs> so um, and, and keeping in mind that Tony Ferguson has been in camp and has been preparing for UFC 249 for quite some time. Sure. Even though the opponent has changed, his conditioning should be, should be uh, like normal, basically, more mm-hmm. or less, or, or at least better than Gagey's. So we know that Gage is also dangerous and he's got power. So if he can get past those 18 minutes or 10 minutes or whatever the first intensity uh, is, then, uh, then I feel like he, he could very well be successful. But look, Tony also has a lot of tools. Who, who's to say that he stops Justin Gage in the first round? Sure. Whether it's by knockout or submission. Um, that's certainly a possibility. But I do think... You know, if you had to put money on a way that it would play out, you would think that Tony Ferguson's chances would improve and he would most likely get the victory if he is victorious down uh, down some time, you know, sure. the further the fight goes. Yeah. So one thing that I think um, I've, I haven't heard too many people talk about that I think might be a factor is going to be the, the ridiculous leg kicks that uh, Gaethje brings. And I think after a couple of those, Tony's going to look to do some of that awkward grappling, uh, mixing it up and just changing the tempo of the fight. When that happens, I'm curious to get your opinion. What do you think happens when Tony tries to take down Gaethje? Because we've seen Gaethje do mainly stand up in the UFC because it's always one of the main topics about Gaethje is that uh, what does he look like against top tier opponents and while he's been in the ufc we've seen him mostly standing 
And the few times that we've seen him scramble, we've seen him successfully scramble and he hasn't been on his back really. So what do you think that looks like whenever, uh, let's say that scenario that uh, I have in my mind actually happens and Tony starts to try to take it to the ground or just mix things up and uh, maybe put him up, put him up against the fence. What do you think happens? Yeah, it's going to be interesting because uh, Ferguson is also someone who is a f- fantastic at scrambling. So mm-hmm. that's something Gagey and Tony share. So I'm curious to see, I'm curious to see just how they're going to scramble, and I'm curious to see who wins most of those scrambles. Mm-hmm. Of course, they have different styles about their scrambling. I think, you know, Gagey scrambling is usually to to get get back on his feet, get out of certain positions, or you know, somehow get. It's it's more of a wrestling based sure. scramble where. Whereas Ferguson scrambles, sure, he's got a big wrestling background, but he's also looking to submit. He's also looking to set up submissions. That's something that Gagey doesn't do. So I'm curious to see when those two lock up, how it will look. But, um, but yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's very interesting. I don't know if, if Ferguson has the capability to actually shoot on Gagey and take him down. Mm-hmm. I mean, very few fighters have been successful uh, in that department against Gagey. And, you know, it's not necessarily Tony's strength. Mm-hmm. I just basically see this fight playing, playing out on on the feet, and uh, Ferguson is is an opportunist. So if, if there's a um, a chance there for a takedown or a chance to lock up uh, where you know he can find some success, he'll he'll take it. Sure. Um, but I, I don't necessarily think that's going to be his primary goal. I think his primary goal is to stay range, rangy and put hands on Gagey often. Um, and kind of use his job because I think that's that's going to be big. He's going to have a, a big reach advantage on Gage. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that I've seen anybody explain it. Why is it – what is it about Tony's striking that just c- leaves the opponent completely disfigured in his face? Like, what is, what's going on there? <laughs> well, he's, he's a violent man. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's mainly – if you're right. I mean, if you look at his previous opponents, like just like pictures of post-fight – um tony ferguson fights right yeah they're all they're all messed up their faces all messed up they they all have damage a mm-hmm. lot of that is because for starters ferguson has a high output of striking okay. and he's quite accurate so he's landing a lot and uh, no matter what strike you land there's usually going to be some sort of disfigurement going on right mm-hmm. um on top of that you know he mixes things up very well he can land knees he can land kicks so his damage is very varied you know it's not mm-hmm. just jabs it's not just uh punches you know also he's got those elbows he talks about yeah. the elbows all the time and it almost sounds like like a little bit cliche but it's true i mean he is probably the fighter that uses the elbows the most in mma sure or the most i mean i can't think of anybody else that's that's just as successful or if not more than tony ferguson at using the elbows yeah in fact i remember a, a long time ago maybe like a year ago um, or certainly close to it uh, when I was producing the MMA hour and mm-hmm. Luke Thomas was, was the host, he had Duke Rufus on. And at the time Duke Rufus was getting ready or this was just after the fight. I can't really remember um, out of the top of my head right now, but sure. he, he, it was either scenario. It was either pre or post um, the fight with Pettis. So he okay. had his student, Anthony Pettis, and uh, he was talking about either pre or post fight, uh, Ferguson. And basically what he was saying was, was uh, the way he described Ferguson was one of the most terrifying <laughs> descriptions I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. And uh, it was something along the lines of Tony 
Ferguson is is a very dangerous uh, elbow expert, something like that. <laughs> it was just along the lines, but it, that just that that just sounds frightening. And uh, I mean, he can use the elbows from the clinch, striking from the bottom, from the top. I mean, the man knows how to use the elbows everywhere, and the elbows are probably the the, the most the most uh, sharp part of the human body. Mm-hmm. And uh, and yeah, and we we clearly see the the effects of the elbows on on the opponent i mean he he just puts them on you and and they'll they'll slice you up yeah that 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 is interesting to hear that from such a high level coach to describe yeah. somebody in that type of way so i'm also curious on a scale of 1 to 10 how sad angry upset will you be if gaichi wins and because of that we never get to see Khabib versus tony before I answer your question, I actually kind of remember more the description. Okay, he yeah, said, yeah. Um, he's a, <laughs> he said he, uh, Tony Ferguson is a very mean, that's the word that he used, a very mean elbow expert. <laughs> uh, and that sounds, that sounds to me frightening. But um, to yeah. answer your question, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I've thought about this a, a lot. And also, like, several people have asked me this. And I'm a bit split on it because – that fight with Khabib Nurmagomedov is, is so good that you kind of want to preserve it. That's one of the reasons I, I wasn't for the booking of Gaiji versus Ferguson. Mm-hmm. However, at the end of the day, you know, it, it, it's MMA. You can only protect people for so long. And yes, this fight has been in the making for such a long time. But, um, you know, if it's time for Ferguson to lose, it's, it's time, you know. And, and it, that, that'll mean that usually, not always, mm-hmm. but it'll usually mean that means that Justin Gagey is a more worthy contender at sure. this time to challenge the champion. So, so keep that in mind. Like if, if Gagey wins, you know that, okay, yeah, Tony Ferguson won't be the guy challenging Khabib, but we got the guy who beat Tony Ferguson. Sure. So um, I know it doesn't have the same pop, but uh, I guess that's still a little bit of a, of a silver lining that you can find there. But, but I do, I, I do agree. There's, there's definitely something to be said and, 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 you know, I'm not, rooting or cheering for anybody but uh but it will feel a little bit weird if we lose that fight between between tony ferguson and yeah it definitely will it'll be weird and i think that's a mature way to look at it because uh there are a bunch of um upsides to seeing gaichi fight could be potentially and it's another madman going after khabib that um, just throws caution to the wind so we're gonna see somebody do that but I would I would be so sad to 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 not be able to see Tony who is just so dangerous and 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 to use that word the word that you mentioned uh mean from his back against somebody who's always controlling right. people and putting people on their back like that that just seems so interesting from um somebody who who loves to see different uh different fighters fight each other so yeah. um last yeah, from- question but yeah, from from a Styles perspective, I mean, literally, it, there's a loss everywhere. I agree with you from a Styles perspective. Like, Gaiji doesn't have the same. Th- he he can't offer the same things that um, Tony Ferguson offers as a challenger to Habib Nurmagomedov. So so that we will lose. But um, also from a human standpoint, like Tony Ferguson, if you were to lose this fight to Gaiji and not get a chance to fight for the belt, this is a man that's been in search of the title for years I mm-hmm. believe since like 2013 or 2012 he's on a 12 fight win streak um and the title has just eluded him i mean it'll be from a human perspective um it'll be it'll be unfortunate to say that tony ferguson never challenged for the undisputed title 
mm-hmm. keeping in mind everything that he's achieved in the last years. It'll, it'll truly be a shame. But, um, you know, this is the situation that we're in. But yep. also, you, we're being a little bit negative right now. You've got to yep. look at the other side. What if he does get past Gage? Yeah. We're looking at literally the ultimate contender, the <laughs> ultimate number one contender. Um, yeah, between the two of them, they literally beat everybody in their weight class. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, Ferguson is the uncrowned champion of 155 pounds. If he, you know, gets past Gaiji, if he gets past Khabib, at that point, most of the fights that will come his way are rematches because he's really beaten everybody at lightweight. Mm-hmm. They, there might be a guy or two like uh, like Dan Hooker and like these young up and coming guys that 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 you know are still up and coming, as he said. But uh, but as far as the actual established contenders. I mean, the only one that comes to mind that he hasn't disfigured it'd be uh, Conor McGregor. Yeah, yep, absolutely. So, who do you think wins this? If you had to pick, and and how? So I'm I'm split on this one. Um, originally, when it was announced, I, I I thought you know Ferguson would have um, not a huge advantage, but a significant one. Mm-hmm. But since this fight got postponed, it just you know it was originally scheduled to go down on April 18th. Now it goes down this Saturday, May 9th. It gave a little bit more time for Gagey to, one, study Ferguson as an opponent and get ready for that challenge, mm-hmm. and two, get in shape. So, you know, I said earlier in, in, in this chat that he had 18 minutes of hell. Yeah. That's what he told ESPN, you know, a, a while back. Well, he's had, what, two more weeks to prepare, three more weeks to prepare. Mm-hmm. So I would assume those minutes got bumped up, whether it's 20, 21, you know. I, I don't know. I don't exactly suspect it'll be um, – Four twenty-five minutes, but I, I would I would assume he's better suited to fight now than he was April eighteenth. So yeah. in my mind, the odds got a lot closer. Sure, um, I'm still a bit undecided. I, I don't know if I'll just remain undecided <laughs> until the very moment you know those two uh, until like round five are about to fight, or maybe <laughs> you know an hour from this conversation, I'll, I'll actually get a stable pick. But um, but I'm 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 going with Ferguson. I think. Okay. I think. You know, he's just more experienced than Gagey. He's got more tools than Gagey. He's someone that, sure, if Gagey, he can get hurt by Gagey, but Ferguson is also great at jiu-jitsu and, and great, you know, with those elbows off his back. So not many people want to be on top of him. I feel like if he ever gets rocked, he always has sort of that that safety net where he can just jump to his back and, sure. and regroup and, and, and wait till Justin kind of gives him the thumbs up and the referee, you know, tells him to stand up. I don't know if Justin will dive in there and, and actually uh, play the top game with, with Ferguson. I don't know if that's a smart idea. So sure. given the fact that it's also 25 minutes that favors Tony Ferguson, I feel like all things point that Ferguson should win this. But, you know, I am split because Gagey is, is a live dog here. He, yeah. he could very well pull off the upset. So going with Ferguson, but... Don't feel too confident about about the pick. <laughs> I'm going to agree with you there. I, I'm 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 in the exact same spot where I think Tony's going to pull it out, but I have a but a few reservations. Like I think the leg kicks from Gaethje will be huge because um, once that happens, if he lands a couple of those and and gets um, Tony to be a little handicapped on his feet where he can't do his usual. El Kukui dancing <laughs> that we see him do every now and again, then that's going to open him up for some bombs up top. And, uh, and that'll be interesting, but th- I can also see it play out that uh, he might get a little rocked. And then that's when we see Tony still be able to maintain his dangerousness 
by just doing some crazy <laughs> flips or doing a takedown attempt and then ending up on the ground and then he he does his thing so i'm gonna be right there with you i think tony's gonna take it um i i would say maybe by by tko by um some some crazy thing happening in the third or fourth round but who knows because like you said they're jason gaethje's a live dog yeah um so going on to sehudo and cruz the messenger versus the dominator who my question here isn't so much who do you think wins or any of those other things but who has more to prove here? So Cejudo did beat a really tough fighter in Marlon Rice. But if he loses here to somebody that hasn't been fighting for the past, was it, was it been three and a half years now? December 2016. So I'm getting close to four. Yeah, close to four years. Um, does he just end up running back to, to, to flyweight? And then Cruz, he has proved that he can come back without any ring rust and look great. But he is 35 years old. That's yep. halfway to 40. He's injury prone. If he loses, does it look like he's looking at the end of his career? So what do you think? Who, who has more to prove here, you think? I feel like at this point, you know, Dominic Cruz is 35 years old. Um, if he's able to successfully return, I wonder how long his body can hold up and actually, you know, maintain a, a, a solid run here and defend the belt and all that if he's able to win. Um, I, I don't know. Plus, you know, he's 35, as I mentioned. So I do think he's towards the tail end of his career for sure. I mean, I don't know how anybody could argue against that. Sure. However, I would say that Cejudo, on the other hand, feels very much like he's in his prime and very much in the middle of it. So I feel like, Dominic Cruz is already, if he loses, I don't think he'll be looked at differently. I don't feel like the loss will change the way we look at him. I think still people would regard him as one of the greatest bantamweights of all time, if sure. not the best, um, even, even if he loses against Cejudo. Mm-hmm. I think Cejudo ha- would have to do a little bit more work in that division to kind of surpass that. Um, but at this point, you know, this is a guy that was WEC champion, UFC champion, multiple title defenses, right? Mm-hmm. Has only lost uh, once, no, twice now, right? Once to Uriah Faber, sure. the other to Cody Garbrandt. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, uh, he, you know, he avenged that Uriah Faber defeat. So he, he's a guy that's already established. His legacy is what it is. So I don't think it'll change much. For him, this is just kind of like a freebie, like a bonus. If sure. he wins, he'll just be able to further his legacy and, and, and be looked at as, 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 a, as a greater fighter than he is now. But, uh, but I feel like his, his stuff is already set on stone a little bit. Whereas where Cejudo, we're still kind of figuring him out. I mean, hmm. the, the whole triple C and the cringe thing is a very new thing. Really, yeah. if you think about it, he started that on his campaign to save the flyweight division. And, sure. and that's all that all dates back like maybe a, a year or two, right? Yeah. So it's not something that's been going on for, for a long time. So if he loses to Cruz, he could very well, you know, he's go back to 125, do his thing there, or, you know, see how everything plays at bantamweight and still be a player there. So I, I would say that Cejudo has more to lose here. Again, he's, he's the defending champion. He'll lose mm-hmm. his belt. Um, but it wouldn't be catastrophic to his, to his career. I feel like, mm-hmm. again, he still has a long future ahead of him so he can still get wins and, and kind of uh, get past that loss if he were to lose obviously mm-hmm. um so so i would say Cejudo. I, I would say Cejudo. i think i think the way his career goes it will be you know directed one way or another depending on, on whether he wins or loses whereas dom dom is dom and then yeah. 
you know, a win or a lose or a loss here is not going to define who he is. Sure. I think that's very interesting that you pointed out the pointed it out in that way that uh, Dominic is more of an established figure, whereas we're still learning about Cejudo and seeing him evolve, evolve into what he is and what he's going to be. Um, Yeah, that's 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 really why that's why Cejudo wants to fight him. He is the more established fighter and he wants to kind of steal some of that, that clout, some of that greatness, right? He wants to have, I mean, Dominic Cruz doesn't, I'm sure he does, but I'm saying Dominic Cruz is not the one that wants his opponent's name under his record. He just wants the belt. Cejudo is out to get his name. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, I think at this point, like, you know, Dom is Dom and you know, he, he's got literally nothing to lose here. Yeah, well, I, th- that bantamweight division, uh, for me at least, and maybe I'm just remembering it um, wrong, it's more exciting than, than I remember it being in a while because we, 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 we have those two individuals. We have uh, um, Peter Yan, we have um, Aljamain Sterling, we have, uh, who else do we have? Um, um, Jose Aldo is up there and Marlon, Marlon Marais is still up there. Um, they had that really close fight. We have so many contenders up there that it's interesting to see if we can have one of those dominant champions um, reign atop of that entire division again, and if it is Cejudo, how big do you think his face-offs are going to be? Like, he's, he's, if he like goes on a, another four-fight win streak, how many things are, is he going to have in that bag that he brings up to those stare-downs? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> we saw he brought the little custom-made pillow with Yeah with uh, Dominic Cruz face on I mean uh, to be honest that I'm not super into that but I know sure. people people are and you know they love the the triple c persona yeah. I don't mind it I'm not saying I dislike it I, it just doesn't do anything for me and I guess also I have a different approach and a different uh, viewpoint um to this whole sport because of you know I I, I work professionally covering sure. it so I, mm-hmm. I do have to have a different viewpoint but um but yeah we'll, we'll see we'll see um We'll see how long he can hold on to that belt, but definitely if he gets past Cruz, he's going to have, as you mentioned, he's yeah. going to have a, a long list of contenders that are ready, are ready mm-hmm. to come after him. It, it, you know, it's, it's funny because if you look at featherweight right now, there are a lot of contenders, don't get me wrong, but there's still, there's still a lot of contenders that, that sort of need to be, need to prove that they're, you know, up next for the title, right? Yeah. You mentioned as a, a, a beat. Sure, he can fight for the title. He's done great things. He's done, uh, you know, picked up some wins under his record, but it still feels like he's not the guy. And there's sure. a few guys that are like that. Whereas Bantamweight, there's so many guys that feel like the guy. Mm. Like, does <laughs> does Alderman Sterling deserve a title shot? 100%. Does uh, Peter Yan deserve a title shot? 100%. <laughs> there's a few guys that are that are basically feel like number one contenders so yeah he'll have a, a long a long list of guys that he's gonna have to get through after dom so we'll, we'll see how how many props he can he, he'll, he'll have in store for them no I'm, I'm right there with you as far as uh like the, the the cringe thing not really being my thing like i actively go out of my way to not like or 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 favorite anything that i see on social media of it because i don't want to feed into it but i do think it's 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 somewhat interesting to see if he does go on that reign what that's going to look like um, because it's just going to continue to snowball. Um, Last question on this fight and the bantamweight division. It's hard to predict, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, If Cejudo wins, who do you think will, would be next? And same thing with Cruz. If Cruz wins, who do you think would be next? Yeah, that's, that's a tough one. I think on, 
many other weight classes, it would be a lot easier to predict who would be, you know, up next for the title shot. And it's always a hard thing to do because you don't know injuries. I mean, global pandemics, like so many things can just throw off the the sort of cue here. Mm -hmm. But at Bantamweight, I feel like is especially murky because Sohudo has made made it pretty clear that he wants to go on this sort of legends tour, right? Like he's, yeah. he was calling out Uriah Faber. Like he wants big names. He wants the money fights mm-hmm. and uh, he wants to build up his legacy. And I feel like he, he figured out that he needs those names, you know, on his record to, to be seen as, as some of the, the, the greatest, uh, you know, some of the greatest fight to be among some of the greatest fighters sure. um, in MMA. Um, so, so I don't know. So he's been calling out these big names, but we also see like, the UFC doesn't really like with certain with certain f- situations. I don't know if you remember, for example, at welterweight Ty- Tyron Woodley when he was oh, champion, yeah. he was calling out GSP. He wanted the GSP fight. He wanted the Na- the Nick Diaz fight. Yep. But the UFC was like, no, 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 and he they just kept sort of feeding him the top guy at the time. Yep. Um, whereas here at bantamweight, Sahudo is like, no, I don't want the number one contenders. I don't want Sterling or Peter Yan. I want Dominic Cruz. And the yeah. UFC is kind of like. Okay, like they're kind of working with him and allowing him to sort of face these bigger names that not necessarily remain at the top of the list. So sure. with, with that factor in play, I mean, who knows who he's going to call out? Um, and, you know, I can totally see a, a, a number one contender getting skipped over again. Yeah. I, w- I would actually say, if I had to put money on, on a name, I would actually say Jose Aldo because they were booked to fight before. Um, sure. They've gone back and forth a bunch of times on social media, so there's something built there. Dana White agreed to that. He thought that uh, Aldo beat Moraes when, mm-hmm. when they fought in his bantamweight debut, and uh, and they were all in on that fight. So, and again, that's a big fight. Aldo is a yeah. you know the greatest featherweight to ever live. So, I can definitely see see that fight happening, which yeah. which is a bummer because I in my mind I think Sterling deserves mm-hmm. it above anybody else. Um, so who knows? Who yeah. knows? Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's a that's a good point. And and it's interesting because then you have to factor in international travel into all yeah. of that and, and what they're gonna look like coming out of right. this fight. So you, there's so many factors. Um two more questions about this card. We mentioned Cruz and his age and how long he's been in this uh this fight game. And we have a lot of other veterans on this card. We have, uh, along with Cruz, we have Pettis, we have Cerrone, we have Michelle Waterson, Fabrice Overdoom, Jacare Souza. Out of all these fighters, all these veterans that have been doing this for a very long time, if, if, if they lose in devastating fashion, who do you think would be closer to hanging up those gloves? And I hate to even bring up that question because it seems like such a heartbreaking thing whenever you see some, a, a fighter get to that point. But um, with so many veterans on this card, it, it did make me think about who might be closest to that part of their career. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I didn't really think of it, but you're right. I think we could see a retirement out of this card. I mean, it's not far-fetched to even imagine maybe two retirements from this card. There's a a lot of older guys that are fighting and uh, a lot of established guys that don't really have much else to prove. Obviously, they can... always further their careers and legacy with wins. But mm-hmm. uh, again, much like the crew situation, like they're already established figures and they are who they are at this point. Um, so I, I don't know. That is a, that is a good question. I would say um, I, I would still go with Cruz if he were to lose. I mean, okay. what is he going to get? Any, it depends how he loses, right? Sure. 
if, if there's a controversial decision or, or a controversial stoppage or something like that, I mean, there could always be chance for an immediate rematch. But given the fact that he didn't deserve to fight, you know, as far as merit, he didn't deserve this fight in the first place and mm-hmm. that there's other contenders, I don't see him getting an immediate rematch, even if it's controversial. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he he's down to sort of go back to the you know, end of the line and, and fight contenders and build his way back up to a, a title shot. I, I also don't see that. So, um, so yeah, I think if he hmm. loses, I think that'd be it. And, and also, you know, he's got a very uh, successful career as a UFC commentator. Obviously the fans love him. The UFC loves him. He's, yeah. he's one of the main voices now of, of the UFC. So he's got things to go back to and, and rely on as far yeah. as, you know, as far as, you know, you know, allocating time into something else. Yeah. Um, and he seems very passionate about that as well. Yeah. Whereas some of these other fighters, like pretty much fighting is what they do. So you would definitely see them pick up another fighter too, if they were to suffer losses. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even think about that point though, but that's interesting that uh, um, maybe it depends on who has their after fight career set up the best because mm-hmm. Like Cerrone, I'm a, I've been a huge Donald Cerrone, Cerrone fan for a very long time, and I never really thought that I would hear those words come out of his mouth whenever uh, he was being interviewed by uh, um, Brett Okamoto of ESPN talking about he 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 might see the the end of that tunnel um, mm-hmm. uh, as far as fights go because he always mentioned that he's going to be that guy fighting that says. Um, the only time he's going to stop fighting is when Dana says, Hey, we can't let you have a Walker or a wheelchair rolling down the, 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 the ramp, um, to, to, to the octagon. So, and he, he, he seems like he's pretty well set up, uh, for his after fight career a little bit with his BMF ranch and, and all the things that he has going on. So that's interesting, um, uh, to think about it that way. Um, yeah, I, I think I might lean to towards Cerrone just if he has another loss and if it's devastating because, I mean, um, uh, Pettis isn't really the type of fighter that uh, um, is going to inch out a win. He, he, he does a lot of explosive movements. And if, if, if Cowboy has that devastating loss of being knocked out again after the, the, the bit of an embarrassing, embarrassment that he had with, uh, with McGregor, I could see him maybe leaning towards that way a little bit more than than the other fighters yeah for sure yeah you can see that too but um you know again even in the interview with with okamoto he he never said that this was his final mm-hmm. fight sure um i can see that guy logging in you know four or five more fights before he felt he, he yeah. calls it quits yep uh, uh, assuming everything is uh um above board and he's still as healthy as he is now i hope that he does fight for a long time because it seems like it, it legitimately does bring him happiness like it does does with a lot of fighters yeah, yeah. Um last question about this card. Which individual fighter are you most looking forward to seeing? So for example, for me, um I've I've really enjoyed the last few fights of uh, Bryce Mitchells. Uh he, he seems like he's he's very he's a very exciting fighter. His fights seem to be very exciting and um I generally love seeing how long fighters can go with their stock rising after every single fight. So uh, how about you? Who, who, what, what individual fighter are you looking forward to see the most tomorrow night? Uh, there's a few. I think my number one would have to be, would have to be Dominic Cruz. Cause like, I'm just curious to see how this guy looks like, again, he hasn't fought in almost four years. Um, he's been 
plagued with injuries all throughout his career. He's 35 years old, but at the same time, you don't want to doubt the guy because he's done it before. Yes, at a younger age, but sure. still coming back from a serious injury and, and, and looking amazing in a fight, he's done it before. So you kind of don't want to doubt the guy, but at the same time, there are, there are all these other factors surrounding this comeback, like new factors. Um, that, that make you kind of doubt what he could do. And, mm -hmm. you know, also in my mind, I think he's the greatest bantamweight ever. Sure. Um, you know, he, he's used to greatness. I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, if, if also he, he's, I don't, I don't think he'd be someone willing, especially him. Like he, he comes off to me with his commentating and everything he does and even his interviews as such a perfectionist that it just doesn't settle in my mind that he would actually take this fight for the money. Like, sure. you know, hey, if it, I'll, I'll take an L and make some money out of this. Like, or, or even, I don't think he would even enter or consider entering a fight if he's not like uh, 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 the dominant crews that we are used to seeing as far as like a, a world-class fighter. Mm -hmm. um, but again, like I mentioned, there's a, a bunch of factors against them. So I'm, I'm just wondering how can dominant crews look at 35, almost four year layoff, Uh, against you know someone that's looked very very good and has been putting amazing performances as of late with Henry Cejudo, um, there's just so many questions about what version of Cruz we're gonna get that mm -hmm. that I'm just kind of waiting to see what what we see here. But um, yeah. apart from him, I think one also that I'm interested in seeing is, is Vicente Luque. Okay, um, yeah. I, I recently talked to him like I think a week or two ago, and uh, we talked about a bunch of things. It was a lengthy interview but one of the things that i focused on was like look after your loss to steven wonderboy thompson he had this crazy uh instagram post it's not even crazy it was, it was very short but like the way he assessed that loss was was so frank and and yeah. and, and so honest he's like yep i have i had holes i'm not ready for this um i got exposed and you yeah. don't see that often you don't see that often you see usually guys take to social media after losses and be like ah tonight wasn't my night you know mm -hmm. respect to my opponent he was the better man but You rarely see someone be like, yo, I need to work on some <laughs> shit right now because I am not, you know, I'm not ready for this. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I asked him and he's like, yep, um, I, I addressed what I needed to be addressed. He was very frank about that assessment. So I encourage you guys to check out that interview on, yeah. MMA, Junkie, uh, on MMA Junkie's YouTube channel. And uh, yeah, he said he's implemented a bunch of things. He's, he's a much more different fighter now, a, be a much better fighter now. He's worked a lot on, on his boxing, just straight up boxing. So I'm just curious to see, you know, how, how, how much has he improved as a fighter, you know, in this fight with Nico Price. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say those two. But, but for sure, my number one is, is Dominic, uh, given everything that, that I mentioned. No, yeah, I, I, two things. So that, uh, that Wonderboy fighter, I remember seeing that and it kind of seemed to me like he was more in his head than anything. I, 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 I admittedly haven't seen that in interview. Um, I'm going to check that out, but it seemed like he was just, um, he was kind of what I remember feeling whenever I saw, um, wonder boy beat, uh, who was the, uh, what's his name? Um, the guy that, uh, um, almost beat GSP before GSP left Hendrix. Yeah. Yeah. When wonder boy beat Hendrix, it looked like just Hendrix didn't know what was coming at him. Um, and, and it, maybe it didn't seem exactly like that. Like, uh, uh Vicente didn't, uh, seem confused, but he, it seemed like he was trying to figure out so many different things that Wonderboy was throwing at him. So it's, it's interesting to, to, to see somebody come back, especially against Nico Price, who is just another madman on this card that has a lot of people that are, 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 are really crazy fighters. Um, and then 
your crew's comment, that's really interesting because if, if, if Sehudo is who he was in the last fight with uh, Marlon, who, who um, when you drag him into deep water, he's going to do his absolute best to come out on top. If he is that guy, that's who Dom is. Dom will take you into that deep end with his footwork and peppering you and, and exposing all of your weaknesses. So, yeah, that's going to be really interesting to see what Cruz looks like after his layoff and, uh, and, and how that fight turns out. Um, yeah, yeah. I have a lot. I mean, there's so many unknowns about Dominic that I think, you know, I have the most curiosity centered around his performance at UFC 249 than, than any other fighters. Sure. Um, so that, that was the last uh, question that I had about the card. Do you have anything else that you want to mention about uh, UFC 249? No, I mean, the only thing is, you know, we are going to be watching these fights during a global pandemic so mm-hmm. for the sake of the sport and just sports in general i hope that uh the ufc is right about you know um being able to host events safely and i hope that all the fighters are able to fight and compete safely and not get COVID 19 mm-hmm. um same goes with the ufc staff same goes with uh, a lot of my friends and colleagues uh, that are media and have gone out there to cover the fight so these are dangerous times, you know, these are times where, um, you know, COVID-19 has, has cost a, a lot of lives. So for me, yeah. yes, I'm excited for, for the fights as well, but, um, you know, that's something to keep in mind. I know it's, it's a good distraction from all this pandemic, but at the same time, let's not forget that, that it's going on. So I, I'm just yeah. hoping and, and wishing that uh, this event goes down safely and, and everyone can return home, yeah. uh, you know, a hundred percent. Yeah. That, that, that's one thing uh, that, uh, I'm right there with you on that one as well, because it's no matter where you stand on this topic, if you think that uh, we should open up the economy or not, or, or if you think this event should happen or shouldn't, these are all people, they all have families and it, it would, it's, it's, I definitely can uh, be on that side of just ignoring all of that and hoping that it all goes off soundly and that all the precautions that they took are, are the right thing. So that actually leads um, pretty well into my last question uh the the global situation that we find ourselves in is is unprecedented to say the least and we really don't know what the future looks like for ufc outside of this upcoming week but one thing that i thought whenever this all started and they started canceling all the ufc events the the silver lining that glass half full um part of my brain um thought that whenever we did start seeing fights again that we were going to have some stacked cards because we have all these people just waiting in line. Um, and, and UFC 249 is pretty stacked. So my question is that if the UFC can maintain this event tempo, maybe not having three cards in seven days, but something like it where they're having at least two per weekend, when are they going to start running out of fighters? Because there are a lot of, uh, there are a lot of factors that run into it. Like if we have this tempo three months, for example, just throw a number out there. Do you think that we're going to start having too many UFC um, high level fighters that are recovering from their injuries and recovering from their fights? And, and assuming that the uh, fight Island can happen, I'm assuming that we're still going to have some of the fighters from Brazil or Europe or, or the, the Asian Pacific area that, maybe can't get out of their country or don't want to so what do you think about that uh, that topic do you do you think that there's going to be a point where these cards start being a bit thin 
I mean, it's just so hard to speculate because you know, we've never been through, I mean, there's been pandemics before, but uh, at least us, like we have no experience on, especially during this time. So we have no idea. We have no idea even if, if, if like the UFC is going to be up and running, you know, two months from now, a month from now, because yep. who's to say that COVID gets much worse and, and has a worse spread or across the country with this re- whole reopening yep. that's been going on in, in, in the country. And, and now they're really forced by governmental uh, entities to, to shut out everything down. You know, who's, who's to say that, you know, the U.S. bans all, all flights? Who knows? Sure. So um, it's, it's really hard to speculate. But um, I would say, you know, as of now, they, they should be good because a lot of fighters want to fight. That's sort of the sentiment that I've, I've been getting and that I've been seeing mm-hmm. online, like fighters want to fight, like they're aware of COVID-19 and its issues, but it seems the fighter population for the most part, yes, they're concerned, but uh, it's something they'd be willing to, to work with in order to fight. Uh, sure. There's a few that have been like, no, F this, uh, I'm going to wait <laughs> things get back to normal till I can train normally, you know, and then I'll fight. But for the most part, most of them, are down to get in a training camp at home, you know, just running and hitting pads mm-hmm. uh, and barely having any training partners and flying. It seems all of them are comfortable with this. And the UFC has been backed up because they've postponed, what is it now, like three, four cards? Sure, yeah. Yep. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of fighters that, that are ready right now that are just waiting for a date. So I would assume that as far as them running out of fighters, I don't think that'd be an issue. Also, sure. if you recall for ufc 249 when a lot of fighters were forced to pull out due to travel restrictions and bans and whatnot um it was communicated that the ufc was was looking to bring anybody at this point not even from their roster but just outside of it so a lot of fighters from regional promotions were throwing in you know their name in the hat to hopefully get called up to the ufc so that's always a plan b um that they can they, they can always you know go to so i don't think they'll run out of fighters we might see thinner cards due to all the craziness that's going down but um as long as they can put on fights and 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 they have a green light uh fights will happen um that's how that's how i see it yeah yeah and i don't even know where i really stand on that topic because i just thought that it was an interesting question looking forward that uh yeah it certainly is what the future is going to look like but yeah you're you're absolutely right and i did remember seeing that that uh um, they, they were looking for uh, any fighters that uh, were um, willing to fight. So that would be interesting. And yeah, hopefully, hopefully we see um, a, a, a bright future for combat sports, because I think if we do, then that's going to mean something really good for all sports and business in general that uh, yeah. we, we, we can move forward and, and, and oh, have yeah. some type of normalcy as long as mm-hmm. we take the proper precautions. Yeah, for sure. This is, this is a test. This is a test. Um, you know, and I think, I think it's, I mean, to, to keep everyone safe would mean that we would all have to remain indoors a hundred percent at all time, but mm-hmm. that, that's not possible. Like, you know, people need food, right? We need farmers. So, so there is this compromise of, you know, how much can we actually do while also avoiding, you know, the absolute worst. So, um, this is a test for the UFC and, yep. you know, the sports world is, is watching closely, especially the combat sports world. And, uh, this is one of the few instances where, you know, I'm actually rooting for the UFC. Like, yeah. I want the UFC to have a successful event. I want the UFC to be able to find a recipe that's successful 
and that can be repeated, um, you know, in order to hold events during this global pandemic and keep everyone safe. Like, uh, you know, I, I mean, if, if you don't want that, you have to be a complete like psychopath. I mean, I yeah. think everybody wants that. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think most of the media concern that happened earlier in the month was, yeah, we all want that, but it, it didn't seem like they were taking the right precautions. And one mm -hmm. of the reasons why it seemed like that way is because they were very, they're being very secretive about uh, what was going on, you know, down in yep. their events. We know for Brasilia, they didn't have testing. Mm -hmm. The London car that they tried to do a week after, they weren't going to have testing. And, and, and COVID looked pretty bad in the UK. And, you know, eventually the, the government said no and, and yeah. canceled everything. But, um, but at this point, it seems like from, from what I've been able to see in, in all the protocols that they have in place, it seems that this could be a recipe that could very well work. I mean, I, I'm much more comfortable watching this event and, and knowing that fights are going down this weekend than, than I was a month ago. And a lot of that is because they've placed new protocols in place. They've had more time to figure it out. They're working with the government in an athletic commission, you know? Yep. Um, but yeah, they're testing everybody, everybody, no one yeah. has tested for COVID. So it seems the recipe is there and uh, I'm sure they'll alter it. You know, I'm sure there's going to be some learning lessons from this, you know, yep. oh, maybe we could do this a little better. Maybe we should add this. Maybe this wasn't necessary, et cetera. Yep. But uh, but yeah, this is um, this is a test, and 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 the the whole world should be watching because yeah. you know this is a company that's that's trying to uh, continue yep. and continue to play and continue to operate under these new rules that the world has presented to us. Yeah, and it seems and, like they're uh, trying to do it the right way. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I would um, agree. So, are you looking forward to attending a UFC event in the near future and getting a very long Q-tip stuck up your nose? For me, is is a little tougher because I'm I'm out here in in New York. I'm in Brooklyn. Sure, and things are pretty bad here. I mean, it's it's worse than any other place yeah. on this planet. You know, um, I haven't looked at the death statistics in the last few days because I I kind of try to tune that down because it does get to you. Oh yeah, um, but I know you know at one point like a thousand people a day were dying on yeah. you know, every day on a regular basis. Um, and that went down to about 400. So it is pretty bad. I know people have gotten it. I know people that I'm friends with that uh, have passed away. Man. Um, so, so being here in New York, for me to get out, hop on a plane, go to JFK or LaGuardia Airport. I live in a, in a rough area as far as COVID-19 is concerned. So again, uh, you know, being in public and, and going to a, an airport and all that, I don't know if it's if it's uh if it's the safest thing you know yeah. it's given how new york um has been hit with this virus so it's gonna be a bit for me till i till i actually go to an event i think mm -hmm. yeah that makes a lot of sense and yeah. and hopefully new york and um, all the areas that have been hit hard by this uh hopefully it, it all gets a bit better over this uh, summer and then uh, we don't get that second wave that people have been talking about yeah. um it's definitely a, a scary thing um i'm, I'm luckily in the middle of the country I'm in Indiana, just North of Indianapolis and mm -hmm. um, I'm surrounded by farmland. So yep. the places that I go aren't that densely populated and we haven't been hit. So I'm a bit blessed in, uh, in that regard, but um, right. Yeah. So um, thanks for, for doing this. Um, I really appreciate it. I, I enjoyed our chat. Um, is there yeah, anything, is there any way that uh, people can follow you if they want to um, follow you or, or, or consume some of your content? Yeah, for sure. Um, everything that I do is, you can always find me at Danny Segura TV. That is D 
A-N-N-Y, Segura, S-E-G-U-R-A, TV, just TV. Um, that is across all platforms, meaning Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. So, so yeah, that's that's where you can find me if, if you want to uh, consume more of my yeah. content and, and some of the things that I've been working on. Yeah, I'll be sure to uh, put your YouTube and uh, your social medias in the uh, show notes for, for the podcast. So thanks again, Thank Dan. I really appreciate it. it. Thank you. Stay safe. Uh, you too.